Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the sick podcast Giant Central, the sickest New York Giants podcast on the planet in the whole universe. I'm your host, Desmond Novak. Going to be going over the Giants Monday night football week four matchup against the Seattle Seahawks alongside some injury concerns that could hurt the Giants big time in this game. Hit it, Sammy. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast, Giants Central. Incomplete, and the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. The sickest New York Giants podcast. It's gonna be sick. All right, y'all, we're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. Boy, DraftKings is not stopping there, folks. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is a lot more fun when you're in on the action. Let's keep it real here. So download the app now and sign up with code six sports. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly and in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code six sports. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. But now, with that out of the way, whew, Giant Seahawks, week four, definition of a must-win game. Like, people were saying the Cardinals was a must-win game. If the Giants can't beat a mediocre team like the Seahawks with the way they've struggled against top-tier teams like the Cowboys and the Niners, it might be time to hit the panic button. I mean, some fans already have. There's been a whole lot of overreactions this, uh, this season so far with people saying the season's over people saying that guys aren't good because they've had a slow start and it's all a lot. I kind of expect that with New York fan bases at this point, but the, the giants, like they should win this game hypothetically. Cause even forget just the looking at the two teams on paper, the Seahawks have a lot of injury, a whole lot of injuries going into this week. P Carroll could just be being a little silly fella and like kind of, faking the injury report to kind of keep the Giants on their toes. But regardless, there's a lot. I know Jamal Adams, Charles Cross, who hasn't played since week one, is on there. DK Metcalf. So they could be missing some pretty big-time players, but I'll get into it in a bit. So are the Giants. But the Giants, here are my my keys to win here for the Giants. going to get a little analytical here with y'all. The Giants have really bad... Yeah. Ooh, pardon me. The Giants have to be dominant through the air. The Seahawks have only allowed 2.9 yards per carry through three games, but they've allowed the second most passing yards. The Giants have the weapons to do this. I know the offense has not been good, particularly, especially in the passing game, but they have the weapons. Wondell Robinson come back, came back, made some nice plays against the Niners. Jalen Hyatt, for some reason, who has just been not on the field. Mike Kafka, you know, what are you doing? But these guys need to see the field more often, plain and simple. Julian Love, former Giant, making his a little bit of a homecoming, has allowed the most receptions out of every, any safety in the NFL for the most yards allowed. Take advantage of that. I don't know if Jamal Adams is going to be playing. I know he's on the injury report. Regardless, he's not really a great guy in coverage. 
Take advantage of this. Send Jalen Hyatt deep early on. There's no need for him to be getting 12 or 15 snaps anymore. He needs to be a focal point in this offense. The receiving core has been incredibly disappointing. And then you have a guy who could be a star for the Giants and Jalen Hyatt. And Mike Kafka just isn't playing him. And it's to the point where, like, again, what are you doing? But hopefully he'll take advantage of that. The offensive line has to hold up. There, and there's just there's no other way around it. The offensive line has been killing the Giants all season long. It's looked as worse as it really ever has been, which is saying a lot because there have been a lot of seasons where you could say the Giants have the worst offensive line in the entire NFL. And now I know PFF as you know, so so as they are. I kind of went into that a bit uh, last episode, but they ranked the Giants dead last with their offensive line. Like that's not good. Uh, but on the season, Seahawks only have five sacks and 23 pressures from their entire pass rush. That's like nothing. I mean, it's only three weeks in, but still, uh, the line's going to have Ben Bredesen back, cleared concussion protocol. He's good to go. You know, he, again, I said it last week, but if the Giants played on Sunday as opposed to Thursday, good chance he could have played. Glad to see him back. Very important part of the offensive line. But for Andrew Thomas, it's not looking good. He was a limited participant in most of practice this week, but today he did not practice at all. That's not a good sign, like period, because that means that he very well could have re-aggravated his hamstring injuries. And if you're a fan of the NFL, especially if you're a fan of the Giants, you know the hamstring injuries can be very tough. But in general, the Seahawks defense has been pretty bad. I won't say bad. I'll say disappointing this season outside of their run defense. Again, only allowing, I think I said 2.9 yards per carry. That That part of their defense has been great, but... They, again, against the pass, terrible. And they've missed the fifth most tackles out of any team this season with, I believe, 30. And the Giants have missed 31, which goes to show that's you know bad. And it just Kafka has to be aggressive this game. They don't have the pass rush of the Niners or the, or the Cowboys or even the Cardinals, honestly. They don't have the secondary because I believe um, they're not going to have Kobe Bryant, which is funny to say when you're talking about football. And they're not going to they're, they're missing players. Good chance of missed Jamal Adams, Tariq Woolen. I think he might have been put on IR, in, on the IR, if I'm being honest. I, I probably should have looked into that, but still. They, they are missing players. Their defense has been disappointing even when they've been on the field. So Mike Kafka, grow, grow a pair. Realistically, that's what we need to do here, Mike Kafka. Grow a pair. Stop with these five-yard dump-offs to Paris Campbell, who's like one of the worst yards-after-catch guys in the NFL. Get the ball in the hands of Jalen Hyatt and Wandell Robinson. Get these guys cooking in the open field because that's what this offense needs right now. The Seahawks have, again, missed the fifth most tackles in the NFL. Get Wandell in the open field. Get Jalen and Jalen Hyatt in the open field. Saquon Barkley, I hope he plays. I don't want to rush him back from injury, but the Giants, from everything I've seen with practice, he's looked pretty good. Again, a, uh, I don't know. I I, I want to say I, I'd like to see him play, but I don't. I don't ever like seeing players rush back from injuries, which is why, as much as it's unfortunate that Andrew Thomas is not going to be playing in a way, I'm okay with it, especially with how ticky tacky hamstring injuries are. But on the offensive side of the ball for the Giants, there or no, excuse me, offensively for the Seahawks, they've been pretty mediocre. They rank 14th in passing yards, 16th in rushing yards. They're only allowing 4.1 yards per carry. But for the pass rush for the Giants, the Seahawks offensive line has been pretty good this year. Even with Charles Cross not playing since week one, they've only allowed five sacks and 33 pressures, which isn't bad. Like that's that's a very solid offensive line. Pretty somewhat up there in pressures, but only allowing five sacks for three weeks compared especially to like the Giants. That's good. Um, 
Another, so Charles Cross, questionable. Phil Haynes, their right guard, I believe, is also questionable. But if the Giants could get Aziz Ozolari back, they could really dominate. Like, get Kayvon to be more aggressive. I'm going to get into Kayvon in a bit, but this is this is my problem uh, with Wink Martindale is a lot of his snaps recently. I mean, I say a lot, but it's only been like nine. And it, it's only, I think, only 18 or so on the season. Stop dropping back Kayvon in coverage. Get him out of coverage. There is no need for him to be using Kayvon Thibodeau so passively. And Wink even talked about this in an interview today where he was like, oh, we're allowing him to let loose however much we think he needs to be. Like, that is just not a good thing to say. Like, you drafted this guy fifth overall, one of, if not the best pass rushers in the entire country in college, and you're going to go out and not use him how he should be used. That's a bad look for you as a defensive coordinator. I know Wink Martindale's system isn't exactly good, for edge rushers but even then they've had he's had guys like Matthew Judon be incredibly successful with him on the you know back on the Ravens defense but regardless Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams have been two just of the best guys at their position this season no no way around it Leonard Williams had a bit of a slow start didn't do much in week one but has been killing it ever since Dexter Lawrence he's Dexter Lawrence like sexy Dexy's gonna cook no matter what um there again surprisingly enough like when you look at the names of the Seahawks offensive line, just from like a, a casual point of view, you wouldn't expect them to be such a good unit, but they really have been this season, especially their center. I believe Evan Brown, he's been really good, only allowing two pressures in three games. I probably going to be matched up on Dexter Lawrence, but honestly, despite the good season for Evan Brown, I'm I'm not too worried. I like Dex, Dexter Lawrence again, one of the best defensive tackles, if not the best. I think he's actually the highest graded defensive tackle in the NFL right now, according to PFF, by like a good margin. Which I mean, I think Quinn and Williams got hurt a couple weeks ago, and Aaron Donald is still elite. Like he's still incredible, but he's getting up there in age and all that. But I'm actually going to take some time now to talk about Kayvon Thibodeau. And just he his really slow start to the season. A lot of fans have been really just not good to him. Really, I don't want to say weird, but like for a lack of better phrase, yeah. Like they've been really weird towards him. And the Giants fans have the tendency to do that with players that they deem disappointing, which he has been disappointing. Don't don't take that as me saying that Kayvon has not been disappointing. He has been. Only a, a pass rush win rate of only 3%, which is one of the worst from his draft class. He's looked really lethargic, I guess it would be a good way to describe it. Like he looks out of it. He looks disconnected from plays at times. What one thing I've really noticed with him when going back and watching over films, and this was an issue we had in college that we were hoping he'd see him develop, is really a lack of a pass rush move bag. Like he doesn't really have a set of moves that he can just pull out and bam, get use it to get around a tackle or a, a, even a tight end. Like he's been getting blocked by tight ends like really well. I, I get like George Kittle's a great blocking tight end. Trey McBride's a solid blocking tight end, but like you're a fifth overall pick edge rusher. You need to be dominating those guys. Like he, it almost seems like he just tries to bull rush his way through anyone in front of him, which is just not an effective way to rush a passer, especially when you're not a small edge rusher, but like you're not, you're not a, you're not like Dexter Lawrence. Like Dexter Lawrence can get away with bull rushing someone because that's a massive human being. You're you're an edge rusher. These tackles, unless you're going up against someone who's just garbage, you're not going to be able to run through or around them every play. And that's what's been killing him. Even last year when he had a, a, a good rookie season, 
he had no pass rush bags and was just consistently trying to bull rush. And it just, it wouldn't work half the time, which led to him only having a four sack rookie season, which isn't bad. He had a good, a good season. I'll say, cause it, especially with the big plays he made, but still again, wing system isn't doing him any favor. He's dropping back way more than he should be. He's not really being told to go after the quarterback as much as he should be, but he's not Kayvon's not helping himself. I'm not going to be impatient. I'm not going to call him a bust. I'm not going to call him anything, but he's it, it's worrying me that we're in year two and he really hasn't developed the way, not even just developed the way he should. He hasn't developed at all. Like I said, like the pass rush, the lack of pass rush moves is still a pretty big issue and it's something that needs to be fixed. And it really kind of goes into the whole coaching issue that I've had with the Giants recently where I've talked about Bobby Johnson and his issues in the way that he's talked about coaching Evan Neal and the overall lack of progression from the offensive line as a whole and how that's just like a massive problem of how we've had a lot of guys come in and get worse. Mark Lewinsky came in and got worse. Evan Neal was drafted as like, I won't say generational, but like an incredibly touted prospect has looked way worse. I mean, he made the switch from left to right tackle, which is difficult, but still no progression into in a year and a half now. Um, John Feliciano was like an incredibly solid center for the bills before he signed with the giants Signed of the giants looked awful. Like, I don't want to say one of the worst centers in the NFL, but like not a, not a, not a starting caliber one that we signed him to be really. The only guy who's improved is Andrew Thomas. And you know what? I put that more on Andrew Thomas, just being one of the best tackles in the NFL. Like yeah, I really, I was, I wrote in an article for G men HQ, you know, selfless, selfless plug here. Have how, if the line keeps disappointing like it has been, and it just continues to be one of, if not the worst in the NFL, the Joe Shane might just have to let Bobby Johnson go. I've never, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of times where like a positional coach has been let go during the season. I'm sure it's happened plenty of times. I'm just being silly, but it, it might have to happen because I, I, I can't see a world in which the Giants offensive line is going to succeed with Bobby Johnson as their coach. No one's progressed. Everyone's looked worse. The offensive line looks out of place. They they have no chemistry with one another. He's clearly not focusing on individual players and trying to make them be the best that they can. And again, that is a really big problem. Like that quote that I, I brought up, I think two or three episodes ago, that still really bothers me. The way that he basically said how he's not treating Evan Neal differently than anyone else. Like seventh overall pick has very clear issues and you're not going to try and fix them individually. That's just not good coaching. In my opinion, I, again, I'm a fan. I, I would love to get into coaching someday, but that's just how I'm going to, I'm going to look at that for now. But overall, if the offensive line for this game against the Seahawks can hold up against their somewhat weak pass rush, take shots, get Jalen Hyatt going deep early on because he can, easily turn this game around we saw it in week two against the cardinals he starts getting more snaps instantly makes two massive plays that brings the giants back in and i won't say he's a reason they won but a big reason for that the comeback started and was kept alive and then you reward him by that by playing him basically the same amount of snaps the next week and not give you i don't even think he got a target daniel jones did miss him on a open throw but like whatever um but just be aggressive offensively this isn't a defense like the Niners where you have to try and pay, play passively because like you know that they're like they're sending guys at you every play. They're going to take advantage of the poor offensive line. The Seahawks defense can't afford to do that. 
they're going to stack. They're going to try and stack the box against Saquon because again, they're an elite run defense, make them pay through the air. Julian love and Jamal Adams are not very good coverage safeties. Again, especially Julian love. Like I love Julian. Love. I, I love Julian love. Look at that. Um, but he's just, he was never a good uh, pass coverage safety. Even when he had last year, when he was really good at the giants, he still struggled against coverage a lot. I remember against the Eagles where he just completely whiffed on what should have been either an easy tackle or interception, but he just completely missed both the player and the ball. Um, Take advantage of that. He's allowed the most receptions and yards as a safety for a reason. Make him have to cover Jalen Hyatt down the field because I guarantee you it's not going to work well. Uh, if Saquon's not a good to go, it's probably going to be a rough game for the running backs. I like Matt Braid. I like Gary Brightwell. I really like Eric Ray. But those three don't simply don't have it to be like any team starting running back, which is why I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants brought someone in, whether they sign a Leonard Fournette. I really hope they don't do that. Or they trade for a James Conner. I also really hope they don't do that. But again, those are two possibilities because I wouldn't be, I just wouldn't be surprised for if, you know, Saquon ends up missing two or three more weeks. It might be worth bringing a guy in. I don't know though. It's such a weird situation because from everything we've heard from reporters, it looks like he'll be out like two or three more weeks. But like when you watch him in practice, he looks great. He's not, not missing a stride or anything. Um, but just to cap off the game, they can't let the Seahawks like mediocre offense. Like they're a solid offensive unit, but if they're going to be missing DK Metcalf, they can't let the giants defense on paper should be a great unit. They have stars. They have rookies. They have guys who have proven to be solid veterans like Bobby O'Karaki. They, they can't let a mediocre offense that could potentially be missing one of, if not its best players, beat them it's whatever when the Cowboys you know have a great game it's whatever when the 49ers have a great game against the defense those are two of the best teams in the NFL Cardinals whatever I that game is just a I I can't even think of like a a way to describe that game and what the effects it had on me but um don't let Geno Smith beat you like last season, last week, the Seahawks might have, or last week, goodness, last season, the Seahawks might have beaten the Giants. Geno didn't beat the Giants. Richie James beat the Giants. The Giants' own kick returner beat the Giants by fumbling twice and completely erasing any chance the team had to win. Like, don't let Geno Smith beat you. I love Geno. I'm a West Virginia fan. I love Geno Smith. Don't let that guy beat you. Don't let in, like, probably a little above average quarterback be the one to take you down. Like they just need to win this game. <laughs> I sound desperate when I say that because I am. The Giants cannot afford to lose this game. If they go if they go into the week 5, yeah, at 1 in 3 against I believe the Commanders, that's not good cuz the Commanders have been playing good football this year. They lost, I believe they lost last week, but like they've looked pretty good. And that's not a team like you know, it's always a, a bit of a bit where like the Giants own the commanders because they like they're the only team in the division we can consistently beat. But like in all seriousness, man, the commanders aren't messing around this year. Sam Howell is Sam Howell, and he's not very good at football. But like the rest of that team, I've been saying for a while, if the commanders can get even like a good quarterback, they're going to be a really good team. They have a very good defense. Their offensive line hasn't been great this year, but like it's still solid on paper. Great weapons on the offense. They just need the quarterback and maybe Sam Howell will be that. Maybe he won't, but 
moving on before we close this episode out, I want to talk about one of my favorite players on the Giants, Sterling Shepard, because I read a very sad article on him that kind of made me a little upset. So, I mean, if you know me, like I said, Sterling Shepard's one of my favorite Giants. I love that when I loved it when we drafted him in 2016 in the second round. Been one of my favorites. Just whenever he's healthy, he's very consistent, great guy, brings like just an energy that no one on whether it's on the sideline on the field has been able to match. And he's just, he's been through so much with the team, whether it's you all the losing that he's been through in his career. Cause I think the giants have had maybe one or two winning seasons, maybe one winning season when he's been healthy. Cause obviously they made the playoffs last year, but he tore his ACL in week four and just all the injuries, Achilles, ACL, all the minor ones he's had over the years. He's been through a lot. And this season though, He's not even, he hasn't been on the field much. He's only played 26 snaps through three games. And in an interview with the New York Post, he had a very, like, it made me upset, but his outlook on his situation really kind of showed to me, and I hope a lot of other Giants fans, like, just the kind of person he is. But he was basically saying that, like, he's always going to be ready to be on the field, and he's not going to let his lack of snaps affect the way that he plays, the way he acts. He's always going to be. Sterling Shepard, the great locker room guy, the guy who was always hyping everyone up on the sideline. And then, oh man, this almost, this honestly, I'm not going to say it almost made me cry, but like it made me sad. He said that basically the writing was on the wall and that he kind of thinks that his time in New York is coming to an end. And I don't want to see that happen. I was really nervous this offseason that the Giants weren't going to bring him back. I knew he'd be a cheap option because, you know, injuries, he's 30 years old now, which just makes me, which makes me feel old. Because obviously I've been watching him since he was a rookie. It would just be sad to see him go. I really hope that they don't do him dirty by like releasing him mid-season. Because that would just kind of leave a sour taste in my mouth. I get he's not like Joe Shane's guy. He's only been up with Joe Shane for a year. But to take this guy who like everyone in the locker room loves. Everyone loves Sterling Shepard. And to kind of just be like, get out. Go away. Mid-season. That would, I wouldn't like that at all. And I hope he sticks around. I hope he stays healthy for the rest of the season. Again, Sterling Shepard, I love that guy. One of the few NFL players I've ever played 2K with. That's a story for another time. Wasn't intentional. I wish it was. I wish I could have the opportunity to talk to him. But that being said, I'm going to cut the episode here. Hopefully the Giants come out with a win on Monday. I'm not excited about another primetime game. We've had three already yeah sunday night thursday night now monday night and then the giants have i think another sunday night football game against the bills two weeks from now i don't know why we're being thrown on prime time i think the giants are now one and 11 under daniel jones in prime time which is just hilarious to think about especially with the success they had last season but again that being said gonna cut it here thank you so much for watching remember to like comment subscribe follow us on twitter at sick pod giants again at sick pod giants thank you so much and i'll see y'all in the next one and that's a wrap hope you don't miss us too much until next time follow the sick podcast giant central on youtube facebook google play and apple Podcasts.